0: So on one of our previous episodes, we talked a little bit about the definition of strength, so what this comes down to is something called resistance training. Mm -hmm. Now, resistance training means that you're able to either move an external load. It could be your own body or it could be another object like a dumbbell, Mm -hmm. but it also means that you're able to resist force. For example, if someone's pushing against you, can you avoid being moved? Mm -hmm. So these are the two basic components of resistance training.
1: Welcome to the Unlimited You podcast. Believing firmly in the limitless potential that resides within each individual, your hosts, Master Victor Almeida, a distinguished martial arts expert, and Andy Freebird, a holistic health coach specializing in calisthenics, nutrition, and strength training, are here to guide you in unlocking your inner power. Each episode offers practical knowledge from strength training techniques to the calming practices of meditation, tailored to enhance your physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. Join us on this empowering journey and embrace the warrior that lies within you.
0: We
2: are live for another episode of The Unlimited You. Welcome back. And today we're going to talk about calisthenics and strength training. Just kind of telling you what they are, basics, advanced versions, and you know, the, essentially what some people would call like the foundation of physical mastery because you're learning how to activate and use each one of these muscles as you're doing these exercises. Mm-hmm. So to kind of give like a basic understanding, what would you say is calisthenics and strength training just for like people who don't know?
0: That's a great question. Yeah. So on one of our previous episodes, we talked a little bit about the definition of strength. So what this comes down to is something called resistance training. Mm -hmm. Now resistance training means that you're able to either move an external load. It could be your own body, or it could be another object like a dumbbell, Mm -hmm. but it also means that you're able to resist force. For example, if someone's pushing against you, can you avoid being moved? Mm -hmm. So these are the two basic components of resistance training. Now there's different ways we can provide resistance on the body. So in the examples that I gave. You could use a dumbbell, you could do curls like that, or you can use the weight of your own body like in the other example that I gave. Mm -hmm. So when we do resistance training exercises that only incorporate the weight of our body as the means of resistance, that's called calisthenics. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you don't need really any equipment to do it. It's kind of like your own body's a portal chip. Yeah. And I guess you can
2: also add uh, like bands to, I guess I think you call that
0: loaded. Well, so we talked a little bit in one of the previous episodes about how bands are a little bit different from free weights when it comes to the resistance it's having on the body. So with the bands, the more that they stretch, the more resistance that you're getting. Mm-hmm. So there are certain applications where bands I think are a little more effective mm-hmm. and certain applications where calisthenics are a little bit more effective. Certain applications where free weights mm-hmm. are a little bit more effective, but training all of these things is what's going to be most effective. Absolutely, I agree. And you know, there's a lot of
2: basic calisthenic movements we do in martial arts training. For example, we definitely do a lot of push ups, a lot yes. of yes, and squats, those are kind of the two big ones. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we can get a little bit more complex, but those are kind of the two fundamental ones of martial arts. I would say so. Well, what would you say are some other basic calisthenic movements that people can do?
0: Sure, well, so with the push ups, you're getting the upper half of the body optimized for pushing either yourself away from something or pushing something away from you. Mm-hmm. And with a squat, you're getting the lower body mechanics, mm-hmm. but there is one thing you're missing out on here, which is the ability to either pull yourself towards something or pull something toward you. Mm-hmm. And so the third basic calisthenics exercise is gonna be pull-ups. Yes. The difference though, push-up, squat, you can do anywhere, pull-up, you need something to grab hold of so you can pull up. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there's a lot of ways you could do that in nature. Obviously, you use a branch mm-hmm. on a tree, provided that it's strong enough to support weight. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, find a jungle gym
2: at a middle school or something.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's a really good way to do it. A lot of the pro calisthenic athletes will actually just train at jungle gyms and, and playgrounds and stuff because it's like has parallel bars and pull up bars and all the things they need.
2: Mm-hmm. And kind of progressing that, you can do dips which is essentially working your triceps for more pushing exercises yes and burpees those are those are kind of integrating a bit of squatting and
0: push-ups at the same time absolutely
2: but i guess would you say that's more of like an advanced calisthenics movement
0: or kind of mm-hmm. a bit more? that's a really good question mm-hmm. i wouldn't necessarily say that it's more advanced it's like as you pointed out sort of a hybrid of the two movements it kind of starts like a push-up and it ends like a squat you point out dips also Mm -hmm. it's a really good exercise so dips have some similarities to push-ups being that you're developing that pushing strength working on the pectoralis major and minor of the chest interior deltoid of the shoulder tricep break out of the arms however you also have your feet as a point of contact on a Mm push-up so in that way the dip is similar to a pull-up where the only point of contact is your hands there's much more of a balance instability Aspect of doing dips because you have to control your body much more than
1: push up.
2: Yeah, and this is for the you know Lifted up lifts at the gym. We have the bar mm-hmm. You can do the modified version where you put your hands here and you lift your butt forward and you like a dip. bench dip bench yeah. Exactly But like revert saying you're gonna get way more benefit out of it Not having your feet on the ground because then less weight is applied. Yeah,
0: i'd like to speak a little bit about burpees too yeah. As far as the practical application. So out of these mm-hmm. moves we talked about the one that i feel is going to transfer the most to martial arts mm-hmm. is actually the burpee yeah because as you talked about i think in the previous episode you don't you want to get up as soon as you can and kind of like reestablish your dominance and your strategy when you're fighting and you're sparring mm-hmm. so the burpee is like the ultimate get up quickly move yeah right you're trying to get off that ground as quick as possible if you're just working on a push-up you're not going all the way back up to standing mm-hmm. and if you're doing a squat you're not starting on the ground
2: mm-hmm. yeah
0: absolutely and when we do burpees during our training,
2: we don't let them put their knees on the ground. It is you drop down to a Spider Man like pose and shoot your legs out, do a push up. So you're working on that exact movement of being able to spring up really fast. Yes. Because if you ever fall down in a self defense situation, first thing you need to do is get yourself up because mm-hmm. the worst place you can be is on the ground. Mm-hmm. And any jujitsu practitioner will tell you this. Yeah. You, you learn jujitsu to, Learn how to get up and get away. That's the whole point. Moving into some advanced movements, like once you progress yourself in your, let's say, your push ups a lot
0: more, like how do you take that further? Where, where, that's you know, a great question. So, the first question you want to ask yourself is what adaptation are you trying to develop that's going to enhance your push up? Because you could make your push ups more explosive, for example. Mm-hmm. You could train plyometrics, which would be you're pushing up as fast, as hard as you can and you could try to catch some air time. You get enough air time, you could throw a clap in there before you come back down. Make two claps, make really, really advanced. You get one in the front, one in the back. Oh. Come back down really advanced. Maybe you spin a whole 360 before you come back down That's to the nice. ground. This is gonna be great for martial arts because now you're explosively throwing mm-hmm. those fists, right? Mm-hmm. Could also adapt your push-ups to be stronger
1: mm-hmm.
0: by adding weight with a weight vest or putting a plate on your back and doing it. Mm. Now, if you do this with a plate on your back, make sure you have a spotter. Cause I've seen way too many videos of the plate. Yes. And where's it gonna land on your hand, 45 pounds on the hand. That's gonna break your hand. Yeah. So make sure you just have somebody there that can grab that plate if it starts to slide. Yeah. And then we can also work on your pushups for hypertrophy by kind of slowing that tempo down, getting more tension in the chest if you want it to grow more. So you can see there's all different ways that we can change the pushup to make it more challenging to get various results out of it. You want more endurance? Do high rep sets, for example. So, right? I guess
2: you would say the slowing down one would be like a 10 second push up where you, you know, five seconds going down, five seconds going up. So, you utilize yeah.
0: more of that control. Yeah. So, typically, what you want to do when you're trying to induce hypertrophy, which is meaning just to make the muscle thicker, bigger, right? Is that you want the descent portion of the exercise, lowering on a squat or lowering on a push up to be a little slower Mm -hmm. than coming back up. Mm -hmm. But one thing to keep in mind if you're trying to grow a muscle, never ever do it explosively. Mm -hmm. When you're doing Mm -hmm. that concentric portion where you're lifting the weight, don't ever explode. Still do it under control, but lower it slower than you raised it.
2: Mm -hmm. Interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. So you're separating explosive muscle growth versus strength, essentially. Yeah, well, so this actually comes down to the individual fiber types Mm -hmm. in your muscles. There's some genetics behind what the fiber composition of a person's muscles are going to be given any muscle, but it's also adaptable. So the more that you train your chest for being explosive, the fiber types will start to adapt. You start training it to be more endurance focused. The fiber types will actually start to adapt. Exactly. And what can happen is it create the hybrid fiber type. Yeah, Good, both. Exactly. And that's
2: really important is to train both yeah. because you want to be fast and you want to be strong. Yes. Not just one or the other. And, you know, working for push-ups, we also do pike push-ups, butt in the air, working towards essentially handstand and also mm-hmm. the planche push-ups. Do you want to speak about those as well?
0: I would love to. And that's an excellent point that you just brought up. I wanted to touch on as well. So one of the ways that you can make a push-up harder is changing the angle of your body. But what's going to happen is it's going to start to shift which portions of your chest and which muscle groups are being targeted yeah. when you're training. So Basically the more that you're having your you know, feet higher, your hands lower, it's going to train more of the upper chest and more of the shoulders. Yeah. But the opposite, the more that you kind of have your hands down here, like a dip, it's going to get that lower pec fiber more and more of that triceps mm. as well. Yeah. And that's the kind of motion you get while you're doing the dips as well. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And as far as growing the chest, those down pressing movements, tend to grow the chest a little bit better, Mm. but they won't target that upper chest as well. So the best thing is to do all of these angles, Mm -hmm. then you're stable, you're strong on all of them, and you'll have even development of the muscles. Yeah, absolutely. I think you did also ask a little bit about some of these stat holds as well. Uh, So if you want, I can go into that.
2: But where would you see, before you go into it, where'd you say like planche pushups fits into all of that? that That's a,
0: that's a great question. So the planche, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's a gymnastics move where you have your hands on the floor as your base of support, and that's your only point of contact. Your whole body's off the ground. However, your body's not vertical like a handstand. It's actually out horizontally. This makes it really hard because your feet are so far away Mm -hmm. from your point of contact that there's incredible torque happening. And you need very, very strong shoulders and core to be able to support your body weight in that position. That's that can be done statically or dynamically as well. Something that surprises people often when they learn this is that the dynamic version is actually easier it's easier because you don't have to hold that super high torque position Mm -hmm. at the top the whole time. Right. When you come back down to the floor, it's like, you're getting a break. Yeah. In between every rep.
1: Okay.
2: And I guess this is a good transition into those static exercises you are mentioning. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you might, you might think you want to work on developing the planche first and just holding that. But from my understanding, now the planche pushup is not something that I've personally worked on. Mm -hmm. I did have a a straddle planche hold at at one point, probably a little rusty on that. I could probably get it back in a few weeks if I really practice, but I never personally worked on the. Planch push-up what I have learned from talking to other people though is that a lot of people get that move first mm. so what you want to do to develop that move is essentially just work with your push-ups on when you're placing your hands put placing them lower and lower yes relative to like your waist yes. normally when you do a push-up they're right your shoulders shoulder. are mm-hmm. but you want to get down here and as you get better at it you might eventually just lift off the ground and be like whoa I didn't yeah. really lot." you know what I mean exactly yeah yeah so yeah. I would probably practice both honestly.
2: how would you say the the static is different than the dynamic moves. For example, uh, like wall sits mm-hmm. or, you know, holding your squat in a certain level. Like if I'm just sitting here and I'm holding my squat at this level, like how that yeah.
0: it you differently? Okay. So that's a, uh, that's a great question. So we're, we're talking about here is two different types of muscle contraction. Mm-hmm. So what we're calling static holds, this is known as an isometric mm-hmm. contraction, which means that your muscles are partially contracting, not completely. Mm-hmm. And then you're just trying to hold that partial contraction. So, similar to a squat, you could come down mm-hmm. in a squat and just hold it mm-hmm. at the peak point of tension. Yes. You're not all the way at the bottom. You could just rest there, yeah. or you could rest all the way at the top. So, if you're asking the difference between a push up or a plant, you have one that's purely isometric and one that's combining isometrics with this dynamic concentric and eccentric movement, meaning that you're pushing up and pushing down. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get a hybrid workout almost. While like utilizing the core and the rest yeah, of the exactly. Yeah, exactly. The main benefit of working on these static holds, people might wonder, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Is it just cause it looks cool? And it does look cool. Let's face it, they, You know, do you remember the first time you saw us? Like, yeah, I mean. Something yeah. to do a plant, you kind of blows your mind. Yeah. Right. The first time I saw it, I didn't actually know that was possible. Yeah. But these things, are possible you just need a progression to get there yeah and the the benefit that we
2: use is let's say we're practicing horse dance and this is a very important stance and when you're learning martial arts we do a lot of punches from horse dance Mm. and at first you know you'll hold it for 30 seconds and people's legs will start burning and you progress we get a minute two minutes and there's a good and a bad thing of developing you because you're, you're developing the strength at a very specific place and yeah. it only gets strong
0: right there. Yes, absolutely. But
2: it's not throughout the whole rest of the movement. Mm-hmm. So where the static hold is going to develop your ability to hold that specific position at that one very specific place longer, it's not necessarily going to help your squat.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that brings me back to what I was going to say about what's the point of these holds. Is it just cause they look cool? It's actually because it builds stability in the joints. Mm. So with like a plant, for example, your spine is a series of joints. Mm -hmm. And if you can hold that position right here, right, this is peak shearing force. Mm -hmm. So what that means is like when you're balanced like this, you know, for anyone that can do a handstand, people that can't do a handstand, they usually think it takes a lot of strength. It really doesn't, it just is balancing. But the more that you start to angle like this, the shearing force, because gravity's going straight down, is amplifying. So if you can hold your whole body out like this, your spinal integrity, Mm-hmm. meaning the ability for all your vertebra to stay together mm-hmm. is gonna be really high, mm-hmm. way less prone to injury. Mm-hmm. The same thing with a horse stance. all the joints involved, they have way better stability, you're way less prone to injury. Interesting, I didn't think about it like that, especially for, I guess the opposite of the planche would be the front levers. Yeah, it's like upside down planche. Yeah,
2: that's that's very interesting, I didn't think about that.
0: So for those that don't know, it basically looks just like a planche, but as Victor said, you're upside down, and in this case, you're holding Exactly yeah, a bar yeah. and I would tell a very short story here, Victor set up this awesome pull-up dip bar push-up combo at this event we were at and a couple athletes came by oh, yeah. and <laughs> one on each side. Now, if only one had done it, it would have tipped all the whole thing over. Yeah. So they have one on each side and they both did a front lever at the same time, counterbalancing each other. And it was just an awesome sight. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And that's a very hard move to hold. Dude,
2: we usually work up to a lever by doing laying down, doing flutter kicks, scissor kicks to build that lower core strength, building the upper core strength, because you're having to hold your legs, all of the weight of your legs with your abdomen, yeah. and all of that is being held by your arms. Yes. So it requires very, very strong core
0: and shoulders. In- as well. Incredibly strong core, and I agree with Victor that uh, the front lever is probably the hardest of, of these uh, moves. The only one harder would probably be the um, full planche mm. the difference between straddle planche just means your legs are out mm. and full together and this also you can use these terms reliever if you have your legs apart your feet coming out to the sides put them closer to your center of gravity it's a little bit easier mm. right they're not as far from the yeah, point contact that makes sense we can i
2: guess transition into strength training where you know what are some basic strength
0: training techniques that i guess that most people probably already know but you know for those that don't sure yeah, well, so we just talked about calisthenics mm-hmm. and I think that's the best one to start with, mm-hmm. because in a previous episode, we talked about how you want to be proficient in martial arts before you start weapons training. Yes. And I feel this is a great analogy for training with other forms of equipment, like weight training or using machines. Mm-hmm. If you don't already have control over your ability to move your own body, you should develop that first. Yes. Right. Yes. That way you'll be able to progress way faster and with way less injury. Exactly. Absolutely. Like deadlifts, for example.
2: Yes, if you don't have the ability to keep your spine still, which you learn when you do push ups, you learn it when you do squats, you do not be wobbling around all over the place. You're mostly yeah. going to hurt yourself when you go to deadlift.
0: Yeah, so that's an excellent example. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to use the example of a bench press mm-hmm. versus a push up. Yeah. You could think of a bench press almost like an upside down push up. But rather than pushing yourself off the ground, you're pushing the weight toward the ceiling. Yeah, right. But the main difference here the reason that the push up is more athletic of a movement is that you have to keep your spine straight and activate your core, you're literally activating your posterior chain, meaning the muscles on the backside of your body mm-hmm. from head to toe. Yes, the whole time, when you're doing a bench press, your whole body is basically relaxed, except for the muscles that are moving the bar pads, shoulders, triceps, mm-hmm. of course, you're gonna brace with your core, like not anywhere near the way that your core is gonna activate on push up. Interesting. Now, there, I heard a difference for,
2: let's say, powerlifting, where they will secure their feet onto the ground mm-hmm. and create tension throughout their yeah. feet all the way to their chest. Absolutely. So it's like a tight spring that you can then unload through your bench press.
1: Yep. Is
0: that different than what you described? Or- a little bit. So if you actually look at the position you're in on the bench press, first of all, what Victor's talking about is something called leg drive it's something you want to be careful with on bench press because although it will allow you to lift heavier if you're not careful your butt will lift up off the bench and that's dangerous for the back it's dangerous for the back and also if you plan on competing you're immediately the lift is not good yeah. it's one of the rules that your butt can't lift up so but, but we talked about this because the low back is arching mm-hmm. right so your po- your base of support your points of contact are going to be the feet mm-hmm. the butt the upper back right so, you have this arched position that's actually protecting these vertebra, right? Because they're not actually in contact with the bench. But in the push-up, all your spine, all your vertebra is straight. Yeah. So, you're having your whole posterior chain, all your back muscles, all your core muscles, even your deep core muscles activating. Similar to a planche or a lever to keep everything straight. Whereas on the, the bench press, even if you're using leg drive, yeah, you're going to get a little activation like through the quads but the core is fairly relaxed. It's in this like extended position. You're going to obviously brace as you breathe for support. Yeah. But you know, anybody who's done pushups or bench press can tell you which one is going to wear you out faster. Yeah. Pushups are far more exhausting than bench presses. Unless you're doing like massive weight. Yeah. Even if you're doing massive weight, you know, it has a much more of a drain on your uh, nervous system.
2: I see what you're saying. Just overall. But overall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense, mm-hmm. and you know, as you get stronger in your push-ups, let's like, say you get you're able to do thirty, forty, fifty push-ups. Mm-hmm. When would you say it's important to start incorporating the strength training?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. So I'm going to answer this question as it applies to any exercise because mm-hmm. this is kind of a good rule of thumb, even if it's not a push-up. Mm-hmm. Once you can do ten to twelve repetitions comfortably of an exercise. Mm-hmm. I would say that that's the bare minimum to start adding resistance. Yeah. But I would actually target 15. Yeah. Really perfect clean reps. That's important. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Not not sloppy, waving your back as you do push pushups, but Yeah. like a board. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's really important. And it's also important I think when you do get to a specific place in your training that you're not just doing strength training on your chest. Oh, yeah. You're doing lat pull downs. You're also exercising your core, your, your legs, your entire body. Because if let's, let's say you're doing pushups, for example, and you're not doing any kind of pull-ups, you're not doing any kind of back exercises, your whole chest is gonna start caving in like yeah. this from contracting. Do you wanna speak a little bit about like the balance and the importance of doing them?
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. So I have uh, also certificate certification for uh, corrective exercise. A lot of times the problems people have in their bodies is caused by strength and muscle imbalances. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not training your entire body for strength and for hypertrophy, you're going to inherently develop these muscle imbalances. Mm -hmm. Also, every athlete, even if you do train all these things, they have imbalances. Yeah. So it's almost like you have to do it knowing that Even if you do it, it's still not (laughs) going to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you don't do it, you probably have some imbalances. Oh, for sure.
2: Reaching always with the right hand.
0: Uh, Well, for non-athletes, those imbalances are extreme. Okay. For exactly the reason you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, people have one arm that's dominant, and they're always, you know, working in front of themselves. They start to hunch, like you pointed out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What would you say are some examples
2: of... Advanced strength training exercises. Like, what would be something that most people don't do or don't think about doing, but they they should.
0: Interesting question. I think what I would say is that what most people don't do and probably should is incorporate these different ways of resistance training rather than just gravitating toward one. Yeah. Most powerlifters are terrible at calisthenics, mm. and most calisthenics athletes are not particularly strong in the big three lifts of powerlifting, which is bench press, squat, and deadlift. Mm-hmm. So I would say. If you're an athlete, train all of these different modalities of resistance training that will optimize your ability to compete and perform. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. To, as far as advanced strength training, I try not to overcomplicate things. Yeah. The, the truth is, if you want to develop pushing strength as quickly as possible, bench press. Bench press. If yeah. you want to develop leg strength as quickly as possible, squat. Mm-hmm. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. But what most people do is rush into these things without, like I said, a calisthenics foundation. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they don't have good mobility and flexibility to begin with. Those are limiting factors. So get those things checked off first.
2: So I'd almost say then that the advanced version of it would be incorporating these different types and then also targeting, you know, strength by doing smaller sets and, you know, circling in their hypertrophy where you're getting stronger. You're also building muscle mass yep. and you're stretching,
0: but doing all these things collectively. Absolutely, because they all kind of feed into each other
2: mm-hmm.
0: and holistically synergize each other. Yes. I also want to put powerlifting, I actually want to say I'm putting that in the advanced category. If you don't have basic, you know, athletics skills, like the ability to, you know, do 20 push ups or do 10 pull ups, I'd probably start there. Yeah, I wouldn't even consider powerlifting yet, because you need to be able to move more safely and have stronger joints. and just overall better health.
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you know, for the accidents that can happen how do you prevent accidents like you're
0: lifting too too much or like you know how do you how do you keep that from from happening is there so what you're really trying to do is you're trying to keep these things at a minimum yeah even if you train as intelligently as possible you're gonna get these kind of little micro injuries that heal quickly we're trying to avoid a traumatic injury that's going to Take a long time to recover or maybe not ever recover completely. Yeah. Right. So one thing we want to keep in mind is prioritizing form. Mm. Form first and foremost. And the heavier the weight is, the more important that that is. Mm -hmm. I would also say be mindful of progressing in strength, particularly with powerlifting. Yeah. Slowly. Because connective tissue like your tendons and your ligaments, they don't thicken and strengthen as quickly as the Mm -hmm. muscles do. That's a good point. You might feel like, oh, I can bench press 300 pounds now, but then you go to do it and the connective tissue holding, maybe your infraspinatus in place gets compromised, tears off bone, mm. needs cervical reattachment. And now you're never going to be able to bench press as easily.
2: Yeah, that would be horrible. Yeah. That, that's, you want to avoid that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And would you say that like resting in between sets is important here? Oh yeah. Okay. You want to go a little bit more into like when and how much you should rest in between your sets for the different types of workouts?
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, So really what you want to do, if your goal is like strength or skill training, Mm -hmm. you want to rest as long as you need to be able to duplicate the quality of your first effort. Mm -hmm. And you can like understand if you're doing too little or much of a rest by just doing a simple experiment, like do a set of Mm push-ups, set a timer for a minute, do another set of Mm pushups. Did you do the same number? Or did you gas out a few reps less? Mm -hmm. If you gassed out a few reps less, you probably need to rest a little longer. Yeah. The only exception to this, I would say you don't need to be as mindful of this with hypertrophy training. Yeah. If you get shorter rest periods with hypertrophy training, you're going to get more tension in the muscle. And the research being done on how much weight you actually lift or how many reps you do with hypertrophy shows that those factors aren't that important. Mm-hmm. The, mo- the main factor of growing the muscle is how much tension you actually get. In it. So shorter rest is better for that.
2: And that's a, another good point you bring up is tension while you're exercising. And let's say you're doing curls, and you bring it all the way down to not relax the arm and to keep the tension in the exercise oh, throughout the entire movement. Yeah,
0: that's a great point. Sometimes you wanna do that and sometimes you don't. Okay. So if you're trying to grow the muscle, you wanna do exactly what Victor said. Mm. You wanna keep the tension the whole time. If you see pro bodybuilders train, sometimes what they'll do is they'll never actually lock the joints out. Mm. When they bench press, they'll stop like here with a slight bend in yeah. the elbow so that they're getting a little more tension. Mm. Once you're locked here, it's more of a balancing act. Yeah. Yeah exactly it's almost like a rest up there but there is a time where you don't want to maintain the tension Mm. the best example it gives the deadlift okay so the reason it's called the deadlift isn't because you feel like you want to die afterwards Mm. or because it's going to make you better at lifting a heavy dead body okay it's actually because you're starting from a dead pause meaning that you didn't get to load the spring first Mm -hmm. every time you do a squat when you come back down it's like loading a spring and you're taking advantage of something called the stretch reflex because your body's elastic yeah this is why sometimes people squat more weight if they draw if they draw uh, quickly because they almost bounce yes out of it or maybe you've seen a bench presser bounce off their chest which is why in powerlifting you actually have to pause it here for the lift to be valid yeah so sometimes we actually want to release the tension so that we can develop more powerful concentric mm. you could try this with a push-up every time you come to the ground go limp. yeah then push off as far as you can
2: exactly yeah. yeah interesting that's a good point point. and do the amount of sets also come into play so mm-hmm. you know yeah i know sometimes some people back in high school used to do three sets but a lot of recent studies have people doing four or five more sets where yeah not on the i guess not on the
0: reps but how many sets you do and how does that play a role So this is actually a really important question. And this is something that I personally have a lot of interest in and have done a lot of research on. There is no magic number of sets. (laughs) People want to just find that perfect template that's going to get them whatever result. What it really comes down to is your body's ability to recover. Mm -hmm. So a good general rule of thumb, if you haven't done a particular exercise before, even if you're already an athlete and you're fit, Mm -hmm. just do one set. Mm -hmm. You don't know how it's going to affect you especially yeah, gauge it the next day. Now as a general rule of thumb, you shouldn't be recovered within about 48 hours. So two days from the workout, whatever muscle or movement you did, you should feel ready to go again. Mm -hmm. If you're not you overtrained. Yeah. Now the fastest rate at which we can develop strength hypertrophy, whatever these things are, is going to be the maximum amount of training that our body can recover from in 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So if you're never ever sore, you're probably under training. But if you're sore more than a day or two, you're overtraining. Keep in mind this is a moving target. Mm-hmm. Your body's ability to handle more sets increases over time. Mm-hmm. So progress slowly. Once you're able to do one or two sets, maybe a week or two later, you add another set. Yeah. And one of the things that can really affect your
2: soreness level, right. I, I guess two things would be stretching after you exercise and then also taking the right nutrition like protein and yeah. hydrating after your exercise can significantly reduce your soreness level. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know if you want to speak about that a little bit. We'll have a full episode
0: on nutrition, but. Sure. I'll protein. give the basics. Yeah. Yeah. Because recovery is paramount to success in progressing in strength and resistance training. Mm-hmm. Now there's a few supplements you can take that will help you obviously protein, like you said, mm-hmm. but I would say as well, collagen mm-hmm. peptides, are really going to help you yeah. Yeah. if you try to eat collagen proteins they're not that well available so you want to get them broken down into the peptides already okay. the reason you want this is that that's actually what your tendon ligaments need to repair themselves mm-hmm. uh, obviously sleep super important hydration like you pointed out resting meaning like don't go and use your body and burn yourself out and things like massage promote blood flow and i would say last but not least vitamin c vitamin c has been shown to dramatically decrease soreness, speed up recovery. Okay. And it has actually been suggested that maybe it might even impede hypertrophy oh. because it reduces soreness and helps you recover so fast that it actually is like reducing that damage of the muscle that thickens it. So maybe not the best thing for getting bigger.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, interesting. At Fair Academy, we believe every person has unlimited potential waiting to be unleashed. Join our academy and discover your inner power through disciplines like Taekwondo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, martial arts weapons, and more. Our experienced instructors empower you with the skills, strength, and wisdom to become an unstoppable warrior. Train in a focused, inclusive environment where you'll progress quickly. Learn meditation, nutrition, and breathing techniques to develop a balanced body, mind, and spirit. Uncover your true potential, and prepare for life's challenges at Farah Academy. Start your journey. Visit farahacademy.com today. And, you know, when when we do exercise, let's say you do arms one day, a lot of people may wanna, oh, I wanna get big giant biceps, let me do a bunch of curls every single day. Yeah. You know, and there, there's some, exercise programs that I've seen that they literally have you do that. Would you say that's a good thing or a bad thing? uh,
0: There's more than one way to pet a cat. Yeah. It comes down to total weekly training volume. Mm. Cause you have people on one camp that are like, you should train fewer sessions and a ton of sets. Mm. Then you have other people that say you should train higher frequency and maybe even every day, Mm. but the total workout is shorter and the number of sets is a lot shorter. Yeah. He's generating really similar results. I mean, I've done six day a week training, three day a week training. I've done one day a week training. Mm-hmm. Had almost the same results with all three. Okay. I just increase the duration of the workout and the total volume if I have less days per week. Interesting.
2: What would you say there's a greater risk of injury if you're doing really big strength workouts on one muscle group repeatedly throughout the whole week? Like if I just do arms two days in a row, mm-hmm. it's more likely. I'm probably going to hurt myself because I've just ripped those muscles and they're slowly rebuilding.
0: Well, so it definitely comes down to how hard you're training mm-hmm. and what specific style of training you're doing. I wouldn't recommend doing high weight training no. on the same muscle group or movement more than once a week. Yeah. Also I would advise if you're going to go into the gym and your plan for working out that day is powerlifting. I would probably focus on just one area. Maybe you go in the gym, you say, today I'm going to get better at bench press, Mm -hmm. just bench press. Mm -hmm. Maybe spend an hour just doing bench press and taking long rests, you know, three minutes, maybe even five minutes, Mm -hmm. working up to a maybe a two or three rep set. Obviously make sure you have a spotter Mm -hmm. and somebody that is strong and experienced in spotting.
2: Now, would you also include the secondary muscle group? So, for example, yeah. bench press would be the chest and also the triceps that day. So there's two different schools of thought.
0: I'm in the camp that is where you're headed with this, where you kind of train the other integrated muscles. Mm-hmm. Then other people are just more old school. They're more minimalistic. They just go in and they just deadlift or they just bench press. What you're talking about is called power building, mm-hmm. where essentially you hybridize powerlifting with more sort of isolating exercises. Maybe after you do the bench press, you get on the cables and you do the flies like this to really build up the chest. Yeah, maybe you do some triceps push downs to work on this, you know? But I wouldn't then say, okay, now that I've done that, let me go deadlift. Yeah. Now let me go squat really heavy. Like your body's gonna hate you for it. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: And as you're exercising, your brain is getting more used to sending these signals to utilize those muscles, Uh, we call it a mind muscle connection. Mm. And for example, like let's see when you do a normal pull up on a straight bar versus when you do pull-ups on the rings, Mm. how is the mind muscle connection different, especially in control and stabilization? Mm. And how does that increase through doing calisthenics and weight training?
0: That's a great question too. Uh, so the mind-muscle connection, we often hear talked about in bodybuilding. You know, I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger that actually popularized this expression. Uh, he said that you, you have to put the mind into the muscle that you're training. Basically, put your conscious awareness mm-hmm. into that area so you can actually feel the muscle expanding, stretching out, and then feeling that tension build as it contracts, the fibers shorten and trying to solidify it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. In studies that have been done on this, most people have the most ability to do this in their biceps. Interesting. However, just go off those arms. Yeah, well, cuz <laughs> you can see it exactly. So if you look at something, I mean, we know this from like squatting in front of a mirror. Is yeah. a good visual cue. So if you look at something, but I would think that a pro bodybuilder versus an average person would have a similar ability in almost any muscle. Yeah. Right? This is really important in powerlifting too. So you gave an example of the rings or pull-up as a calisthenics example. There's almost like a dance that's taking place. So first you have your positioning, which is like where are your hands? You know, where's your body? Are you in the right position Mm -hmm. and the right stance? Just like in martial arts. Exactly. But then you have sort of the movement aspect, where it's like, what muscles do you need to activate? When do you need to activate them? Mm -hmm. What muscles are you trying to relax? Mm. When do you need to relax them? You have the factor of breathing. Mm -hmm. How are you gonna brace your abdomen? Mm -hmm. How are you going to expel that air as you exert? And what's your your head space as well? So your goal is just to make these movements more and more and more efficient. As you go, the whole entire body is becoming better, responding to what you're trying to do with it. Mm. Absolutely. And I especially
2: like the, the analogy you're using of visualizing yourself, sending that energy to that specific muscle. Mm-hmm. And this is an activity we actually do in meditation. We have energization exercises where we visualize the uh, medulla Mangata sending that energy and shaking. You know, let's say you squeeze your forearm, you squeeze it to the point where it starts shaking. You're energizing. All of mm-hmm. that arm. Mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're waking up essentially recharging your battery this way Definitely, and it allows you to bring that awareness to, oh, I can squeeze a little bit more here and here and here and here, where before maybe you're only getting a part of that muscle activated. Yeah. And your awareness is increasing the more you do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good way of explaining it. For example, I'll give would be training the back. So like we talked about the biceps, you can see. So that seems to be why most people have the strongest capacity to get contracted. You can't see your back. Yeah. And people often have a really difficult time feeling their back contract, developing strength and size in the back. Mm -hmm. We've all seen those guys in the gym that have a huge chest and arms. They turn around and there's no back development at all. So one of the tricks you can use with muscles that haven't woken up yet Mm -hmm. or hard to sense is to close your eyes. Actually cut off everything external if it's yes. a muscle you can't see and really try to feel those back muscles moving. Absolutely. And if
2: y'all wanna try this real quick, we can do one of these very, we can do this while seated. If you're driving, don't close your eyes, please. Yeah, definitely. Keep your eyes on the road. Uh, one of the, our ex- energization exercises, like if we close our eyes and you imagine and you're going to shake, you're going to squeeze the left forearm and the left calf at the same time, and squeeze tight enough that it starts shaking, and then let it go. And one more time, squeeze the left calf, squeeze the left forearm, or you can feel it vibrating, feel your brain sending all of that energy, and then let it go. And I think that's similar to what you're talking about, where you're closing your eyes, you're visualizing it, and you're Bringing all of your awareness to that one specific area that you're tightening up, and that' going to
0: increase that mind muscle control. Yeah, and for anyone interested in this, this concept is called muscle control, as mm-hmm. I just said. It was actually popularized by a guy named Maxik in the early previous century, mm-hmm. and he wrote many books on the topic. His body was incredibly muscular, developed and strong. And the basis of his training wasn't weightlifting. Oh. It was what you just taught us how to do. Okay. He practiced being able to expand and contract his muscles with his mind as strongly as possible. He also lifted weights, but he said that this was actually the main basis of his training. Mm. And through meditation,
2: Paramahansa Yogananda teaches that that's probably one of the most valuable exercises in learning how to send energy into different parts of the body, because you. You're allowing yourself to feel all of these subtle muscles that we don't use, especially Mm -hmm. like you're saying the middle back. I have a hard time squeezing the right side of my neck. (laughs) and I have been working on that because the left side squeezes it really hard, but the right side not as much.
0: Oh, so you kind of detected a bit of an imbalance. Exactly. Mm
2: -hmm. And by doing that, I'm like, oh, I need to work more. on sending, being, balancing out my body. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as you know, you progress through training, I feel like a lot of people are like, they start looking in the mirror, they, you know, and that takes, you know, sometimes a few months before you can really see a visual effect. What would you say is a good way to progress, I guess, track your progress in your Mm. training Mm. and then how important it is to set goals in that progress tracking?
0: Okay. That's a really, really good question. Now, when it comes to tracking progress, are you talking about hypertrophy progress? Let's call it strength and mobility. Okay. So strength is something that we can't physically measure. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is we want to periodically test our strength by doing a one repetition max, or if you want to be on the safer side, you could do a two rep max, mm-hmm. and then you could infer from that 2 rep map, two rep max. We could put that in a one rep max calculator and mm-hmm. it'll be pretty accurate. The more reps you do, if you try to put that in a one rep calculator, it gets increasingly less
1: okay.
0: accurate. Now you don't want a one rep max all the time. It's a huge strain on your body and nervous system. Yeah. And this is when you absolutely need a spotter. And if you're strong and you're squatting a one rep max, make sure you have more than one yeah, at least like uh, spotter two three. as well. But so periodically you're going to check in you're going to do a one rep max test and see where you're at with that. Okay. Yeah. If you're measuring hypertrophy, actually a tape measurer mm. is your goal. Because you're gonna be one of measuring like your waist. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you're gonna be wanting your waistline to get smaller, mm-hmm. right? But you're gonna be wanting to measure your thighs, your chest, your biceps to see are those actually getting big. That's gonna be a lot more accurate than stepping on a scale mm-hmm. and just telling you how much you weigh. Interesting. Okay, because as you exercise, let's say you do have a little bit of fat,
2: that fat's gonna be burning, you're gonna be putting on more muscle, and that muscle per, let's say, size denser it's going to weigh a lot more than your fat mm-hmm. so rather than you know losing weight you might actually be gaining weight but
1: mm-hmm.
2: probably have lost a lot of fat and you're way more mobile and strong now so
0: yeah yeah so the tape measure is just allowing us to determine where is that weight being lost or gained yeah as you know in the right places because if my arms are getting smaller and i'm getting a big old belly i'm probably doing <laughs> something wrong in my training and nutrition yeah yeah and i
2: guess the, the those goals depend on what you're going for. Mm-hmm. For if you want to look better and look bigger, you're probably going to be measuring these specific body parts in order to see that return. Mm-hmm. While let's say for martial arts, we usually establish a push-up count. We start off twenty push-ups is our white belt requirement. And once you get to I think brown belt, it's like seventy-five push-ups, mm. being able to do a certain amount of push-ups mm-hmm. as you're progressing
0: so and so here we have another example which is endurance mm-hmm. that is also not physically measurable yeah so by physically measurable what i mean is like you know measuring your bicep yeah now what victor's talking about is called an amrap as many reps as possible mm-hmm. and that's how you're going to want to test where your endurance is at and push up pull up to do as many as you can yeah. how'd you get try it again a few weeks exactly. later did you get more
2: exactly Exactly. And if you're training, that number should be progressing. It shouldn't be going down. Yep. And if
0: it is, then you're doing something wrong or you're not exercising with good form. There is one factor, yeah. though, that I will point out because I do agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But if you're rapidly gaining weight, that will make these bodyweight exercises yes. harder. So yeah, you might I think, think you're getting worse at them because I've experienced this. Yeah. You're actually getting better at them. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So um, as you're tracking, let's say your push ups, maybe you track your weight too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Definitely track your weight. I'm not saying don't track your weight. What I'm saying is that if you're going for a beat also okay. use the same measure. It's going to help you a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. And I've noticed, you know, when I've
2: lost weight, I can do more pull-ups. Oh yeah, for I mean, sure. I didn't get weaker, but I, I lost a little bit of mass, let's say in in fat or maybe it was water weight. Who knows? Different weeks, different days. But I could I could tell I was lighter. I could do like two or three more pull-ups. Yeah,
0: yeah. Absolutely. I've been experiencing that. Um, I saw, so, you know, with the intro, you got Victor's picture, you got mine. I guess you can probably see it was way bigger. Like my trapezius muscles were like trying to eat my head, you know? So at that time I was a lot stronger, but I think I have about 15 pounds less muscle now Mm -hmm. than then, but when I rock climb now, I feel like Spider-Man. I mean, I feel so much lighter and more agile. Interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: So the bulkiness can sometimes
2: reduce mobility. Big time. Yeah. And, you know, for, for what we're going for, at least in martial arts, we want to maintain that mobility while keeping that strength.
0: And that's a really important balance to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where where kind of is that sweet spot yeah. is something to, to really consider, because obviously the bigger and heavier you are, the more powerful you can be. But you're going to slow down. Yeah. And that, that's something that
2: is really important when you're getting into this kind of training is you want to know where you want to go so that you can set the proper goals and track your progress while you're getting there to know if, Oh, I'm working too much on my strength. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm doing too much hypertrophy and I'm not getting enough strength. So you want to make sure that you have the right goal set and the right, you know, training program, which is where we come in to make sure that you're getting to this place. Otherwise you're going to be doing like 50 push-ups, building a strong, front body becoming all lopsided.
0: And then, you know, you start having these body pains that you don't know where they came from before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Something I'd like to add onto that is that making progress is exciting. So unfortunately people have a tendency to lean into what they're already good at and away from what they're not. It's really important to be self-accountable and really put your weaknesses at the top of what you're focusing your training on.
2: Yeah, that's important. Yeah.
0: Especially like if
2: you know you can do some push-ups. Maybe you should work on more of your lower body if you've never done
0: squats before. Okay, so remember what I said about the guy that's got the big chest and no arms, no back? Well, you know, legs either. Yeah, Yeah. so that's the number one offender is, you know, don't forget leg day.
2: That's my favorite. Leg day is my favorite. I'll Uh, say leg
0: day is the true test of mental fortitude. Oh, yeah. You need a lot more of a powerful will to get through a leg training session than an upper body workout. That's true. That is true. And all of
2: these really enhance your martial arts training. Because the the stronger of a pushup you can do and the faster you can exert that power, let's say you can push yourself up to a standing position, which is, would be incredible. You can punch faster. You can deliver more power into each strike. Mm-hmm. Let's say you can do a squat and squat jump tuck over, you know, let's say a four foot fence you're going to have more explosive power while you're delivering these kicks so the the strength training and the calisthenics become essentially a foundation in progressing in making the martial arts effective where if you're i think you mentioned this last time if you're just stretching and you're not doing these strengthening exercises you're probably going to get weaker yeah and then your ability to defend yourself is going to start to go down because you know at, at some point big people have a very big advantage when it
0: comes to self-defense that's true and especially when it comes to grappling if they can get on top of you and you are not strong enough to be to able move. to establish you know some kind of better uh, positioning like it's kind of doctor you're, you're done yeah, so absolutely you won't even be able to breathe yeah yeah absolutely
2: and as you're training you know, a lot of people, that they get kind of used to a routine. Like, you know, I do 40 push-ups every day. And, oh, I run three miles every day. And then they'll hit this plateau where mm-hmm. you know, their time isn't getting shorter. Mm-hmm. They can't progress as much. What would you say is are good ways to overcome hitting these plateaus or to avoid them altogether?
0: So if I gave... A single answer for that, it, it just wouldn't be accurate, right? <laughs> so every plateau is a little different. There, you know, what's causing you to your progress to halt
1: mm-hmm.
0: might be something totally else from what's causing someone else to halt their progress in the same thing. Yeah. So you want to really take a close look at your training, your nutrition, your recovery. You start there and say, is there anything here that I could be doing better?
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: maybe instead of getting six hours of sleep, let me try to get eight hours of sleep a night. Uh, another thing I've noticed personally is. Overtraining. Mm. Some people don't realize they're overtraining. Yeah. Right. So like for me, if I give myself maybe two or three days of recovery after I rock climb, for example, I feel like I can go again. I feel normal. Mm. But in fact, if I wait an entire week, I'm much better at climbing. Yeah. So it could even just be that you're just not resting long enough. Yeah. But I would say like, this is where uh, Victor and myself come in. You know, if you reach a plateau and I'm able to actually look at how you're training, how you're eating, how you're recovering, it's gonna be very easy for me to figure out what is causing this and how do we break through it.
2: Now, would you say that rotation of routines and exercises is also critical to this?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. One of the things you can cause uh, plateauing is kind of just stagnancy of just doing the same things over and over again. When I progressed the most in uh, pull-up endurance, what got me to break through my plateau was every set, I completely changed the way I was doing the pull-up. Maybe the first set doing chin-ups, then maybe I'm doing neutral close out here. Maybe I do wide on the next one. Mm-hmm. And after I did that just a few weeks, I was able to hit 27 ups no problem. Nice. Before that, I think I was kind of plateaued around like 20. Mm-hmm. So huge increase just with changing things up.
2: Yeah. And that that changes not only the major muscle group being used, but maybe it loads the secondary supporting muscle groups for your pull-ups where you're using more of your bicep or maybe using more, you know, both of them equally, as yeah. in changing and rotating your grip.
0: Yep. Yeah, Because each ride is going to bias a little bit more one muscle versus another. Mm.
2: And did uh, adding weights to these things also help change? Like, let's say you, you did uh, strength training for a week and then going to hypertrophy training for another week, or let's say mm-hmm. three weeks in a row. Uh, yep. How would that have an effect?
0: Well, the body responds to what you're doing to it. Yeah. So, you know, if you're trying to do a ton of pull-ups, your body's going, well, I guess he wants to do more pull-ups. We should create this adaptation. Yeah. But if you're trying to be stronger, it's going to do that in regards to strength. Mm -hmm. What I found was that when I started really prioritizing strength training, as far as pull-ups, you know, I put a belt on and put uh, some plates on the belt and do pull-ups. I got way stronger. And it made doing a body weight pull up feel like I weighed as much as a feather, mm-hmm. but I couldn't actually do that mid interesting. because I wasn't endurance training. So you really need to train all these things. Like mm-hmm. when I could do 27 pull ups, I couldn't do 90 pound pull ups. When I could do 90 pound pull ups, I couldn't do 27 pull ups. That's really interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want to should do both.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you just don't care about one adaptation or another, just understand if you don't, it's like you that are losing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: I've noticed my, my strength on my lat pull-down has increased and my first, I want to say five pull-ups are a lot easier, feeling almost feather-like, yep. but my, my
0: endurance is still the exact same. So I literally felt that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's That's misleading because you think you do these first few reps. You're like, oh, oh, it's easy. It's, it's easy. <laughs> I got this. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And you know, where to exercise? Like for on these my clients currently, I'm teaching online, so they have to get their own their own equipment. Mm-hmm. Train with us. That's essentially like having a mat, either dumbbells or a bar, and we we're essentially having them get a pull-up bar of some kind mm-hmm. to exercise the back. Do you say there's You know, it's better for joining a gym or getting your own equipment. Mm. You know, where where
0: do where do you stand on there? And as far as like pretty much the majority of the people listening here. So if you want the best results possible, I would join a gym and I would get some basic at-home equipment. Mm. The reality is you're gonna get a better workout in the gym because you just have more tools at your disposal. But sometimes we don't want to go out, sometimes just don't have the time yeah if you have things at home then there's just no excuse so i have a ton of equipment at home and i have multiple gym memberships interesting yeah and if
2: especially if you have never worked out before make sure you most gyms have at least an introductory like assessment program where they have a personal trainer who just walks you through a little bit of stuff. Yeah. But if you've never done exercises like this before, it's really important to have someone there to
0: correct your form so you don't injure yourself. Yeah, Yeah. that's really important and I'm I'm glad that you brought that up Hmm. because now with social media and YouTube and everything like that, there's all these programs online that you can take and that's wonderful that people have access to this information. But this hands-on approach mm-hmm. is really important for a beginner because you want somebody there that's cueing you. Yeah. You might not be aware in the moment that you're doing something that is throwing your whole form off. If you have a professional there, they're gonna point it out to you and help you correct it.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I've seen some people trying to do deadlifts and their spine is fully arched like this. And they're just, they're gonna pop their back out. Right, and nobody's don't telling them. Yeah, they don't know. They, they think that's how you do a deadlift. Mm-hmm. And that's how injuries happen. So if if you're going to jump into, you know, going to a gym or buying equipment and let's say you get one of those phone apps, there is a chance that you might end up injuring yourself because you don't have someone there guiding you. And that's where our training comes in really handy where Andy can walk you through doing all of these things in that format. Like say you're doing a kick. I'm going to tell you exactly what your body posture needs to be so that you don't overexert and put too much strain on a certain ligament and pull something. Yeah. And, you know, that becomes really important.
0: Yeah. yeah that one-on-one mentorship is really important because it's not like we're saying that these programs aren't good. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are great. Yeah. It's just that you need that one-on-one similar to like, you wouldn't necessarily feel if you could drive a car if you read a book about how to do it. If you had somebody helping teach you, like an yeah. instructor, you'd feel a lot more confident. At least the basics. At, At least the basics. yes.
2: Yeah. there's not many basics to go around. It's like once you get the foundation, you probably take it on your own, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think a truly good trainer is really more of a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they want you to take those training wheels off and leave, leave the nest yeah. and take flight. Yeah, absolutely,
2: mm-hmm. absolutely. And do you have any personal experiences through, through weight training, either in like making really quick progress or through injuries that you want to share.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, but quite a few, but I'll, I'll limit yeah. it to like one or two here. Yeah. So I started doing all this stuff because when I was I think sometime around 19 and 20, mm. and I kind of like finished growing into an adult, my adult body, I developed some kind of a connective tissue disorder. Mm. I may have mentioned this before. I have it throughout my whole body in my hands. It's known as Deputrin's disease. It's also known, I think as Vikings disease or the, the curse of the Vikings. It pretty much only happens in people of Northern European descent, males, the connective tissue in my hands thickens into these kind of nodes that if I don't practice flexibility and strength over time, my hands are just going to stay closed, oh. which is not ideal, uh-huh. obviously. Yeah. So I, can't, I never imagined that I would be able to do any of the things that I've done and can do today athletically. I'm telling you guys this because no matter where you're at, you're gonna be dumbfounded if you stick with it after a relatively short period of time, even just half a year, like six months, you're gonna turn around and be, whoa, I had no idea I was capable of these things. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I
2: started strength training in high school for football. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you go to anybody who plays football knows they they throw you in the weight gym and of course. they're like, "Go lift, get yeah, strong." Yeah. You need to move people. Yeah. So I, I went from like a little stick of a sophomore to my senior year. I had all these stretch marks on my thighs, <laughs> in here on my shoulders because yeah. I, I gained so much mass so fast. So oh, I, yeah, I yeah, ended up stretching my skin, mm-hmm. and that that's definitely something that a lot of people don't consider when they're lifting Mm -hmm. is oh i'm gonna get bigger if i do strength training or hypertrophy training Mm -hmm. now for women especially i kind of want to point this out just because you lift doesn't mean you're gonna look all bulky and strong oh yeah it depends on the type of lifting you do and it depends if that's your goal because if you don't want to look all bulky and big then you don't have to be you can still be strong and sexy and slim absolutely You you don't have to compromise that and that's definitely something i wanted to share yeah and if you are out there doing a lot of bulking do it gracefully be patient with yourself and I, there's a type of cream that you can put on that reduces post stretch work yeah interesting i totally forgot the cream but i'll look into it and I'm gonna try to bring that information back maybe for the nutrition one but one of the important things is when you're lifting is to give yourself time. Your body's gonna be putting on this mass
0: and it usually you get stretch marks here on the shoulders yep. and out here. I, I literally the have them all the way down the yeah. entire bottom and side of the chest, yeah. yeah.
2: And it's the, let's say that you have a lot of fat and you're trimming. That fat and this pushed the skin out and it's, it's gonna be a lot more skin. right? And one of the things that people can do to, let's say, like, you don't have too much fat, is to do it slowly. And Mm. the body will slowly shrink and tighten everything with it. Yeah. Where if you're doing, you know, strength training, a lot of abdominal exercises, it's going to help tighten the skin. And especially, like, while you're aging, you have that flap under here doing push-ups and yeah. hips is going to help tighten that skin and keep everything nice and tight. Yeah, it's, There's two worlds where if you do it too fast, you're going to get stretch marks. If you don't do it and you're losing weight, you might get flabby skin as well. Yeah. yeah. I
0: personally kind of view stretch marks as a badge of honor. Yeah. So, but if you're worried about that cosmetically, I think like, yeah, the cream sounds, sounds like a really good move.
2: Yeah. And I, I forgot the name of it, but yeah. And as far as strength training, right? You know, like you said earlier, if you don't use it, you lose it. Where I I think if I don't lift or train for more than two and a half weeks, if if I take a longer than a two week break, I feel myself getting weaker Mm -hmm. immediately. I think the, the longest I've gone is two weeks. And after that, like I immediately start to see a difference when I go back to the gym. Yeah, And that's something that is not only applied to strength, but also technique as well in martial arts, where if, if you want to make progress, you have to keep training. If you want to maintain progress, you have to keep training. And this is especially important to reiterate because, you know, these things aren't like it's not a three week magic program. It's not a seven week or 10 month magic program. It's a lifestyle you're creating for yourself to Maintain your health to increase your health, and if you stop, well, you stop working on your health, and it's all just gonna go back to whatever you're choosing to do. You want to sit there and look at the, you know, TV the whole time, or you're gonna be better at that.
0: Yeah, one of the best examples I can give would be actors that get really fit for a role, uh-huh. and then as soon as they shoot the movie, they let themselves go again, and they look and feel terrible uh-huh. because they had in their mind. This one singular goal, which was to film a movie, mm-hmm. the goal needs to be, I want to be healthy my whole life. Yes. If that's not the goal, it will evaporate as soon mm-hmm. as you stop eating healthy or training or focusing on recovery.
2: That's why I think diets and these you know, really short exercise programs, they may work, but they're not going to work long term yep. because they're not getting to the core of the issue, which is establishing a foundation for your physical well-being. Right. And th- that comes from, you know, maybe when you start off, you're only going to the gym once or twice a week, and then you start to feel better. You start to see the results. And then you start, Oh, maybe I want to go three. Maybe I want to go four or five days now mm-hmm. and then keep that going. Then you're going to see greater results just from consistency in doing that. than the person who, you know, did it for, you know, 13 weeks straight and then stopped
0: this yeah. effect seems to be kind of like a pendulum swing thing where when somebody is on one side of something and they really wish they were on the other side, Mm -hmm. they try to just swing straight there and it's not realistic. It's so hard that they don't want to keep it up. Yeah. So you know the numbers show this, the data shows this, the more aggressive a weight loss program is, Mm -hmm. the faster and more extreme the weight loss is, the more likely they are to gain it back and the faster they gain it back. Interesting. Yep. Yeah that makes sense. Because they didn't learn how to actually like eat healthy and eat the right amount. They just basically tortured themselves for a few weeks. Yeah. And that's not something that you can actually do your entire life.
2: Yeah. Well, one last thing I kind of want to ask you before we wrap things up is let's say you've been, you know, training hard and like you just have an off week or two Mm -hmm. and you you can't go in there and just bust out, you know, 80% max or whatever and you're trying to get strong. Sure. Like, you know, is it okay to go in there and, You know, do like a 50% training, you know, maybe just do a little bit of cardio, Mm -hmm. you know, how would you say those like interim weeks
0: or, you know? So when it comes to training, something's better than nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think like, I'm a fairly perfectionistic person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people won't do something unless they feel like they can give it their all and do it perfectly. If you have the mentality with fitness, you won't progress very far at all. Do what you're capable of. Maybe everything is sore except for your quadriceps. Mm-hmm. So get on the leg extension machine, do a couple sets of that. Just do what you can do. If you're feeling tired and, and sore, maybe you do need to take a rest day, but don't wait until like every condition is absolutely perfect yeah. just a tray. Yeah. Like for example, maybe
2: you go to the pool and maybe you do some pool exercises. Those are my favorite. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people often also neglect neck- their neck. Maybe you need to do some neck exercises. Oh, yeah. yeah. The- well, uh, the martial arts. Yeah, that's-, that's very important. <laughs> Taking a strike, if you're in BJJ, getting off the ground with your neck and being able
0: to utilize and rotate that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, the larger the circumference of the neck is, harder it is to put- for a person to put you in a chokehold. Yeah. And in addition to that, in boxing, head movement is very important for avoiding getting punched in the face. Mm-hmm ducking yeah yeah obviously. but it is something like victor said people don't train very often
2: exactly yeah
0: yeah that's very important
2: any any last words for for today
0: Uh i think we kind of covered like all the bases here yeah thanks everybody for uh you know tuning in and having an open mind and you know hopefully you learn something today that's going to improve quality of your training quality of your life get your
2: soul on I could catch a long. <laughs> and if you all want to check out more of our podcast, make sure to subscribe, hit the like button, and you can find us on our website, farahacademy.com. And we'll see you on the next episode of The Unlimited You. See you next time.
1: Thank you for joining Victor and Andy on The Unlimited You. Make sure to visit our website, www.farrahacademy.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.